All right, well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Joshua chapter 3. We're going Old Testament. We spent months and months in New Testament areas, and, you know, as a pastor, when you kind of calendar out a little bit of your teaching, you know, you're, you're, you're praying with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, I, I do deviate from time to time when the Holy Spirit leads, but, but you always want to make sure you get some of that Old Testament in there because it's hard, it's easy to not, you know, it's so alien and foreign in some ways, but I think today's passage will really, really be helpful, and, and hopefully this is a passage you might not be all that familiar with, uh, Joshua chapter 3. Let's pray, and then we'll get to the word. Heavenly Father, I ask that by the Holy Spirit right now, God, you would open up our hearts and minds to receive, no matter how young, old, or wherever at in life, this is the food of God right here. For man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. In Jesus' name, amen. also want to say hi to everybody who's watching at home, either right now or will be soon. Uh, great to see you, and I do get your emails. And for the few I haven't responded to from last week's message, I will get to that pretty quick because I was too busy watching the NFL draft. So anyway, uh, <laughs> let's, let's go on. There's a story told about a jogger by the name of Jack. And uh, by the way, I heard this story from Joe Dandy. I have to give him credit. This is a good story. I almost wish you could come up here and tell it because the way he tells it is a lot funnier than I do. But this is another Joe Dandy story. This is a good one. A runner named Jack who was going jogging and he got a little too close to the cliff. You know which story I'm talking about? Yeah, you do. <laughs> he got a little too close to the cliff and suddenly found himself falling. And on the way down, he grabbed a branch, but he was in that precarious situation where he couldn't pull himself up, and he'd fall to his death on the way down. And so when he caught his breath, he kind of realized, I'm in a terrible jam. What am I going to do? I he couldn't let go. And, you know, he was in a real poor situation. And so finally he said, hello up there. Can anybody help me? And all of a sudden, in a moment, a voice returned. Jack, can you hear me? Yes, yes, I, I can hear you. I'm, I'm down here. I can see you, Jack. Are you all right? Yes, but who are you and where are you? Well, I'm the Lord, Jack. I'm everywhere. The Lord? You mean God? Yep. That's me. Well, God, help me. I promise that if you get me down from here, I'll, I'll stop sinning and I'll be a really good person and, and I'll serve you the rest of my life. Easy on the promises, Jack. First, let's get you down and then we can discuss those. I'll do anything, Lord. Just tell me what to do, okay? Okay, Jack. Let go of the branch. Come again! <laughs> Jack, let, let go of the branch. Did you say let go of the branch? <laughs> yes, Jack, let go of the branch. Trust me, I said let go. There was a long pause. Jack breathed in a deep breath and then yelled out a loud yell and said, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> <laughs> yep, 
You see, it's a good story because it leads into our topic this morning, letting go of control. So often, even when it comes to God, we have a hard time letting go of control. In fact, it's, in many ways, control is just an illusion. And yet we chase after it, and we're about as good at chasing it as we are chasing the wind. If there's any lesson I've learned during this pandemic, it's been this. It's to show me in the areas where I need to let go of control of some of the things where God has called me to trust him. Areas where there may have been initial fear that now have built into a stronger faith. You see, we control because deep down, all of us, every single human being on the planet lives with the one thing God never meant for us to live with, and it's fear. You see it from the moment Adam and Eve bite into the forbidden fruit. They have not ingested fruit. They ingested fear. And we've been afraid ever since. And one of the ways we cope with that fear is we try to control everything and everybody around us. Whether it's the pursuit of popularity, the pursuit of possessions, it's a whole uh, arm, armament, a gun safe filled with 50 weapons or, or a bank account that's filled with $50 million. I mean, uh, you know, in many ways, if you peel down a lot of the motive, somewhere in there, fear and control are intermixed in all of it. Of course, not all control is bad. Uh, the Bible says that self-control is good. We should have self-control over our appetites and our angers, our whims and our words. Uh, God wants us to have control in those areas and to be yielded under the Holy Spirit. But the difference between self-control and being controlling is this. Self-control is God-guided. Being controlling is fear-guided. Recognizing the difference will mean all the difference in the world in terms of living an emotionally healthy life. Self-control is God-guided. Being controlling is fear-guided. Here's some reasons. I want to give you some reasons as to why we should let go of control because to be honest with you, as I wrote this message, I thought, you know, one of the things, one, one of my duties I feel this morning is to be convincing that we should even let go of control. Maybe Jack is right. Is there anybody else up there? I mean, come on, you know. It's a hard thing to let go of a branch and trust God. And so here's four things I want to submit to you real quick to just kind of say, you know, here's reasons why we should give up being controlling and live under the self-control of God. First of all is this, trying to control our circumstances usually ends up with us trying to control people. God does not want us ever to control people. God doesn't control people. That's why we have tragedy on earth. That's why there's pain and suffering. That's why there's wars and endless wars and horrible things that happen to people. God doesn't do those horrible things to people. In fact, it's what God doesn't do that often allows those horrible things to happen. He does not control them. You have the choice for good or for evil, for righteousness or for wickedness, either way. And if, if God himself, who's worthy to control, has chosen not to control, far be it from us to try to control our circumstances 
which usually has us ending up controlling people in some way. And if there's one thing that I can tell you God can't stand, it's when we try to control people. We are not their God. God is God. We are not their Savior. Jesus is their Savior. We are not their Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is their Holy Spirit. And so that's, that's my, my first example is definitely uh, why we should let go because trying to control our circumstances usually ends up we try to control people. The second one is trying to control life on the outside usually ignores God on the inside. When we spend all our energy trying to control people or circumstances that are external from us, it's almost impossible to try to control everything outside and be submitted to God on the inside. Uh, it, it's almost like a dichotomy because when we begin to trust God for the inside, he causes us really to release our grip on trying to control everything on the outside. Number three, trying to control to avoid fear usually only produces greater fear, right? Uh, you know, you have no further to look in history than a man like Adolf Hitler. Uh, in the beginning, Hitler only wanted a small piece of Czechoslovakia and a sliver of Poland. But what happens is you end up getting Fearful and fearful and fearful until pretty soon he needs the whole world under his control because he doesn't want to go to bed at night thinking there's an enemy that might invade him. That's why he made the dumb decision to invade Russia in the Soviet Union. Uh, there'd probably still be a, a Reich today, maybe, if he hadn't, if hadn't made that decision. So trying to control to avoid fear usually only produces greater fear. And then finally, the third thing is this, the fourth thing is this. I think many of us have experienced this at one time or another. Trying to control in our own strength. Because trust me, God is not going to provide strength for you to be controlling. That's not his will for you. So when we do it, we do it in our own strength. Trying to control in our own strength usually leads to burnout. When someone comes and schedules a pastoral meeting with me and they say, I think I'm in burnout, one of my first questions is this. What are you gripping onto that you just can't let go of? And why can't you let go? One time, when I was a youth pastor at the church, previous church, we had worked very hard, me and my staff, we had built a killer worship team. And then God in his awesome provision provided us like three killer worship teams. Killer is good. You know. And I remember, and, and we, we kept them for the youth. Well, the adult worship team they're kind of like, hey, we want to pilfer some of these players. I was freaking out upset. So we had a meeting, and, da, 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 and I'm like, you know what? Man, these kids, I've been investing in them. Da, 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 da. And finally, uh, one of our executive pastors, he looked at me and he said, man, Tom, what are you so afraid of? Why are, you, why are you trying to control this so much? I always have an answer. And that time, I'm just looking at him like, uh, I don't know, I don't know. And I was burning out because I, I was so trying to grip my own little kingdom here. that Even within a church, we can be very, very controlling. Well, today we're going to talk about a story of letting go of control. And one of the great stories of that is really found in the Old Testament. There's really two stories that highlight this. 
We're going to do the second one, but I'll give you just for fun the first one real quick. The first one is found in Exodus chapter 14. This is where Moses is initially leading the people of Israel out of their slavery to Egypt. And Moses is literally hearing the voice of God, and God is guiding them on this really jagged way. You know, you know they say that God always takes you the straight way? Well, in this particular instance, God is leading them on a very kind of jagged route and they end up in a canyon where on the one side is the Red Sea and on the other side is the Egyptian army that is ready to annihilate them. They can't scale the cliffs. If they go into the sea, they'll drown. If they go toward the Egyptian army, they'll all be slaughtered or re-enslaved. So God, God led them there to that. And the reason he led them there was so that they would give up control and allow themselves to be guided and protected and provided for by God and God himself. And of course, you know the end of the story. Moses lifts up his staff, the sea parts, the people of Israel go through the sea on dry land. When the army pursues them, the sea encloses in and devours the entire army. We talk about it today. The whole world talks about it today. It is a very popular global story but i want you to fast forward in your mind a few decades after that event this is what i would call red sea part two moses is dead the egyptians are dead joshua is about 80 years old he and another leader are all that's left that stand from the old guard and Joshua has been named the new leader. The only problem is this. Everybody is competing for control. They are in a land that's not their own. They have enemies on all sides. And when they go to bed at night, they don't know if they're going to wake up to an invasion force or not. And so jo Moses has given Joshua the mantle of leadership. And it falls to Joshua to lead the people into the promised land. Now, just like the Red Sea, God leads the people of Israel to a place that they cannot control. Sometimes, when you've been struggling with control, when you've been struggling with gripping onto things so tight, God will lead you to a place where you have to let go. He'll do that because he loves you. He'll do that because he doesn't want to see you burn out. He doesn't want to see you die of exhaustion. And the same thing, the Israelites are now at the, the flood banks of the Jordan River. God literally led them to the Jordan River. Now you may think, though, the river, that's not the Red Sea. No, no, you got to understand. The Jordan River at flood stage is like the Mississippi River. It's like a mile wide with a horrific current. So this isn't something that they could cross just on a whim. This is a major obstacle. So they are penned in. They cannot get to where God wants them to go because they have this huge river standing in the way. And the only way they cross is to let go of control. If you have a discussion sheet, you can flip it over and uh, you can, you can uh, fill in the blanks here of the next four uh, points and then, and then that's it and then we'll go home. But these points, I think, are very key points drawing out from this story. And the first story, first point is this. Letting go of control means embracing waiting. Embracing waiting. 
uh, verse 1 and 2 says this, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they were camped before crossing over. They waited there three days, and after three days, the officers went throughout the camp. They didn't just show up at the river and go. They waited. They waited three days. Most of us would want to do anything other than wait. Most of us would rather do the wrong thing sometimes than to wait. I have had people leave the church because I told them I felt God was calling them to wait on an issue. Waiting on God is one of the ultimate ways that we give up control. Imagine what would have happened on day one or day two if they arrived at the river and just tried to cross it. Drown. Drown. It would have actually probably been better to cross the Red Sea than a river. Why? Because a river has what underneath it? Strong current, right? They'd have drowned. They'd have just been, they, they, they'd have, you'd have seen them miles down the way, their, their, their drowned bodies. Waiting time is never wasted time if you are waiting on the Lord. I'll say that again. Waiting time is never wasted time if you are waiting on the Lord. Waiting time is only wasting time when you aren't moving forward because you're afraid. Many of us can become more emotionally healthy if we just adopt the phrase, I'll embrace the wait. Embrace the wait. Now some of you may say, you know what, I'm older. I don't have much time to wait. Joshua was 80. There's only a handful of you older than that. And so for all of us here, he waited and waited and waited, and it was at 80 that he was to fulfill the destiny that God had for him. So we can embrace the rate in many of the scenarios that we're in. One time when I was seeing a Christian counselor or something, she said something profound. She said, you know, I pray over all of my patients, and then I wait just a minute to listen. So I, I, every time I finish a counseling session, I pray over all my patients, and then I wait. I said, why do you do that? And she looked at me and she said, because God can do more in five minutes than I could do in five months or five years. But sometimes you have to wait for it. Number two, letting go of control means keeping God in front. Write that in. Letting go of control means keeping God in front. Look at verses three and four here. Joshua says, when you see, or God says to Joshua, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Get the picture here. They've got the Ark. they got uh, four priests, actually six, because there's, one in front, one behind, but they're not actually carrying it. And they're moving, and God says, when you see that ark moving, get behind them and follow it, like in a column. Verse 4 says this, and this is a key verse. Look at this verse. Then you will know which way to go, since you have not been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. If you've ever seen the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, you realize why God put that verse in there. So, (laughs) Joshua chapter 3 mentions the Ark of the Covenant nine times. It represented the gracious presence of God with his people. 
Letting go of control often means this. Developing a habit of praying about everything before you act. Praying about everything. Now, I mean, everything, obviously, the big things, the important things. I, you know, you don't always need to pray about which toothpaste you're going to buy or, you know, if you want hamburger or chicken for dinner. I mean, those, those may be superfluous, but I think many of you know what I'm talking about. Those decisions where you don't just jump into it and move forward. You stop, you wait, and you pray so that your prayer aligns you behind God and God is moving forward in front of you. Because when you let God go forward and follow cautiously, be alert, doing everything you can do, it will provide that peace of mind. Note the reason given in the text. God says this, you have not been this way before. You have not been this way before. Everybody in our lives right now, you have not been to tomorrow. You do not know what tomorrow may bring. God has already been there. Only God knows the way we should go. Because he's already been there. Like the ancient Israelites in our lives, we have not been this way before. (laughs) It's very emotionally healthy to come to a place where we can admit how little we know about the future. But Jesus knows where we are. Jesus knows where we need to be tomorrow and the next day and the next day, all the way to the final breath of our life, Jesus knows where we need to be. Only God is qualified to be in control. Why? Because God is already there. He is already in the future that he has blessed you with. That's why he can so confidently say, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you a good future. Because he's already been there. When we say to God, 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 I'm so afraid of the future. I don't know what it's going to bring. God's looking down at us and going, afraid of the future? My child, I invented the future, right? One time when I was hiking in Washington, I was in college, and my college buddy said, hey, uh, there's some hot springs up in the mountains, and I think I can, that's how he said it, I think I can find them. So me and about seven other guys, we had never, we'd never done that before, you know, a mountain hot spring. This is like high up in a mountain. So, man, I got to see this. And so we're walking, we're walking, and, and whenever you get seven men on a, on a trip and they're, no one's sure where they're going, you get seven different opinions, Right? I think we should go that way. I think we should go that way. That way looks good, you know. Of course, I want to take the widest road, you know. <laughs> but we're all talking, and finally the guy says this. Hey, look, you guys, I, I don't know why I said it like that. I, want, I, I don't know, but I've already been there. I know which way we're supposed to go. And we all kind of looked at him like, well, why didn't you just lead with that? You know, I mean, we're sitting here arguing for minutes upon minutes. You've already been there. You already know where to go. Lead the way, you know? He kind of, I think, wanted us to think, wow, he's cool. He figured out the way when all the whole time he knew the way, just wanted to look cool. So sure enough, we followed him. About 20 minutes, we got there. I remember thinking, you know, when somebody knows the way, just be quiet and follow them. God knows the way. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and follow him. Number three, letting go of control means 
God does it through you. God does it through you. On the one hand, I like to think of my life as I do things, you know? And, and of course, sometimes in things that aren't very spiritual, you, could, you, you can kind of really feel that way, you know? Uh, I built this desk, or I fixed this, you know? But in all actuality, <laughs> you know, I did whatever I did because of what God, God provided, the food, the body, the life, to do everything. So in some ways, everything I do really originates with God. It's maybe a little easier on the spiritual end of things when you pray for somebody to be healed and they're healed. You know, a few of us would say, I healed that person. No, we know God healed that person. A healthy place to come through is that in almost every area of life, it is God moving through you to help people, to serve people, to love people, to communicate with people, to witness to people. He says uh, in verse 8, Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. (laughs) Now suppose you're one of the priests, and you're appointed to carry the Ark, and you feel great about it until God says, I want you to go and stand in the river. All right? How many of you, you're driving up the canyon, and you can't miss that sign that says, you know, so many lives have been lost in the current river, right? Why do they have that sign there? So that you will respect the river, right? You know, you recognize, hey, when I get in here, I could be another number on that sign. This is what the priests were thinking. Wait a second, God. You want us to go in the river. This river that's a mile wide at flood stage, you want us to go in the river. Am I catching you right, God? Is this really what you want us to do? I mean, could we go near the river? Could we go around the river? Could we build a bridge over the river? I mean, is there another? And God said, no, 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 none of that. Let go of the branch, Jack. None of that. Carry the ark, which is my presence, into the river. And these guys are going, oh, I wish I'd have learned how to swim. (laughs) But see, here's the thing. When they carry the ark into the river, every step they take, something amazing is happening. The river gets dammed up on one side. It begins to pool over 160 square miles by the end of it. Literally, it is Red Sea 2.0. As these priests carry the ark in, the river, well, the river that was going goes. The river gets dammed up on the other side, And now they are walking on a dry riverbed and crossing the river. God wanted to do it through them. But in order for God to do it through them, they had to get their feet wet. They had to go into the river. Ray Steadman, who's one of the pastors I follow online, he said, a good definition of faith is this. Faith is belief plus unbelief acting on the belief part right all of us have doubts life is not 100 percent certain about anything all of us have those feelings of oh does god really work this way does faith really work this way can i really take this leap or will i be foolish and everybody will laugh at me i like what ray says so, you know we all have that you have to acknowledge that faith is belief plus unbelief but you're acting on the belief part Yeah, I know the 5,000 reasons I should doubt moving forward. 
but I'm going to go with the one reason by faith to move forward. And that's I believe God and his word and his plan for my life. And by golly, I am going to step in that river. I would rather drown in faith than live in fear. Amen? And then finally, number four, letting go of control means you'll never go it alone. You'll never go it alone. Controlling people are lonely people. They really are. They can have a huge family, but they're all alone in here. They spend their whole lives in manipulation and coercion or in domination and abuse. But inside, they're very, very lonely. They need people to affirm them. It's lonely at the top. When God produced this miracle, it wasn't just to get the Israelites from one side of the river to the other. It was also to tell Joshua, Joshua, you will not have to do this alone. You do not have to control these people all by yourself. You do not have to win these battles all by yourself. Just as I was with you at the Jordan River, I will be with you at the walls of Jericho. And, God, and, jo- and Joshua, if you submit to me, if you come under my self-control rather than being controlling, I promise you, you will live a life of victory. Many years later, after Joshua had secured the promised land militarily and served as as first governor and united all the tribes, as he was old and realizing that the generations would move on, remember what he said? He said, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was comfortable giving up control and leaving it with God. That's what his lifetime had given him. Before I close, there's a story told about a pastor who was called in to pray for a young woman who was having complications giving birth. And uh, these complications were of such a nature that they did not know whether or not the mother would live. And the father of the baby, presumably the husband of the mother, I didn't get that in the story, but was a, was a doctor. So the pastor was in there praying for the woman. And the doctor comes in and begins to start working and doing all these things and uh, the pastor's trying to pray, and finally the doctor says to the pastor, could you wait outside? And the pastor said, well, you know, maybe I'll just stand here and wait for God's answered prayer. And the doctor looked at the pastor and said, I answer my own prayers. I answer my own prayers. Sounds, Sounds scratchy when I say it like this, huh? But how many of you, if you're really honest, there are prayers you pray and you already begin answering them before you say amen.
God wants us to let that go. I'm sure Joshua had an answer for the Jordan River. Wouldn't have been a good one. He was probably going over in his head, well, we'd probably lose 30% of the people, but we'll get across. We all have our own answers to prayer. But I encourage you this morning, don't give up on God. Release the control and come under his self-control and let him answer your prayers because he wants to show you just as he was with Moses, just as he was with Joshua, just as he was with David, just as he was with Jesus, just as he was with Peter, he's with you. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, this morning I commit to releasing the areas of fear and control up to you. And I pray you would replace fear with faith, being controlling with self-control, emptiness with the Holy Spirit, that I may see a victory just like Joshua and the other men and women of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.